0: I'm not pulling out the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work at home edition. Okay, so today I'm here with Brian Hawley, and we're going to talk about the design of Double Masters 2022. Hey, Brian. Hello. Hooray. I'm Double Masters 2022. Okay, so we're going to start the story at the very beginning. What was your earliest involvement with this set?
1: Um. So my earliest involvement with the set was... Uh, I mean, after, you know, uh, deciding we were going to do it and getting signed up um, by Brady, um, was like, guess who's leading this one? It's you. Um, I was like, yay, hooray. Uh, my early involvement was a couple of meetings with me, Eric Lauer, and Yanni Skolnick. Um, who are both designers that have worked on a bunch of previous master sets, um, as have I. Um, kind of deciding, like, all right, so we want to do another master set. Um, we wanted to do another Double Master set. That set was cool. Um, but uh, one of the things we've been kind of shifting towards, um, or just I mean, did shift towards with Double Masters and Double Masters 2, um, was having kind of a more thematic limited environment. Something that sort of uh, like, Double Masters 1 was very Artifacts Matter. Um, this one going in, we didn't know what we wanted it to be. Um, We had a few different ideas, um, but uh, I'm gonna go ahead and be cagey about those because we we may still do them Mm -hmm. someday in the far-flung future, who knows. Um, But we eventually landed on uh, Multicolor Masters. Um, We liked Double Masters 1, we were pretty sure that we were just gonna call it Double Masters 2022, uh, but we still wanted kind of a central theme with the limited environment. so those meetings that kind of there wasn't there wasn't really a lead of that team, it was just the three of us talking um, and kind of coming to a, a general plan that we all liked. Um, and the, the kind of thing we were trying to figure out is master sets in a lot of ways are kind of trying to be a more saturated version of a limited environment like they're kind of trying to um, lean really far into whatever they're trying to do, the synergy level of the draft form is pretty high, um, as is kind of the power level and just splash value of a lot of the cards. Um, So the thing that we settled on was, okay, this is a a multicolor environment. We've done a bunch of multicolor environments. We've done multicolor environments with like five two-color pairs, five three-color trios. We've never done one that is all 10 three-color trios. Um, So like, if we just, if we wanna turn it up to 12, that's
0: where we would want to go. Yeah, well, let me jump in real quickly just to explain a little bit. Um, original Ravnica for a very short period of time was all 10 two-color pairs. Um, and what we found in a, in a premiere set is it's just too much. Like, it's just too... A, you have, you have some space issues, but more than that, it's just too much for the average drafter to process. And yep. so we have sort of drawn the line that in, in a premiere set... Uh, that usually about five is the most that we do when we do factions. We don't tend to go above five. But you guys were going where Premiere sets cannot
1: go. Yes, we we did that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like Scentmasters are kind of a much smaller print run. They're, you know, uh, like pretty heavily targeted at like players who have been around a while, really understand magic, really understand the ecosystem um, and have experienced a lot of those, you know, the, the usual fare that we give in premier sets um, we're trying to give something that's like very very different um, the, the problem of course is like by now we have a pretty good like kind of understanding of what a two color set or a three color set with five factions kind of looks like and how to design one um, We didn't really have much of an idea of how we were going to actually go about making these 10 three color trios work. Um, and the thing we quickly found was that it was a very, very difficult math puzzle. Um, and one of the things that we also found very early is it was really, really important that people drafting the set did not need to care about that math puzzle. Like To your point, having all ten three-color trios available is like already a lot of complexity. Needing to think through like how each of those trios interacted with the other trios in the set, and like how am I going to be able to pivot from like if I start drafting Jund cards and then I want to go into Esper, um, like how is that going to work? Um, we really needed it to be a pretty intuitive experience. Like a lot of people only draft Master sets one, two, three times at most. Like some people go really deep and draft them a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of times, um, but the the experience does really need to be going to the first time because a lot of people will only draft it once. Um, so we sketched out a few ideas um, and uh, I'll cut to the chase. Our first two ideas did not work. <laughs> um, the, the thing we were trying to do uh, kind of using normal tools um, like we were like, okay, so what if we just turn up the strength of the mana fixing in the format? Like, what if we just have all 10 tri lands, um, like the E to be tapped lands that produce three colors of mana, all 10 of them in common, and then we have other fixers as well. Um, the That was the closest to our kind of early experiments. We also tried things like two E to be tapped lands that are two colors per pack. Um, And we were kind of trying to find a middle ground where people were able to
2: get enough mana fixing to play three colors, but didn't have so much that they just kind of
1: felt um, compelled or like it was totally free to play four or five colors. Because if everyone at the table is doing that, it's not a very fun draft environment. Like, everyone's deck looks the same. You can pretty much tell that everyone's deck looks the same. There's no real, like, you're not really trying to figure out what you're trying to do. You're just taking the best card you see every time. So we didn't like, it's fine if a couple of people do that, but if that's the default thing people did, we wouldn't be happy. So the problem that we found with some of those kind of early initial tools was that when you take a Triland um, or take three lands, um, let's say you're trying to draft uh, blue, white, and green. Um, maybe you find a blue, white, green Triland you might find, like, a blue-white-black Triland and a green-white-red Triland. And now you're like, okay, well, now I have a little bit of an in to be able to play these other colors, too. Like, now I'm kind of more interested in splashing a red card or splashing a black card. And kind of having those, like, extra free um, mana sources in your deck was kind of pushing people into that sort of four-color and five-color soup and was winding up Making the draft a lot more complicated because you you like you couldn't like find a lane and kind of decide like, okay, I can mostly ignore cards that have red mana in them at this point in the draft. Like when you're opening your second third pack, usually you want to be kind of like have a general idea of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and when you were kind of accruing these incidental sources of mana that you weren't necessarily planning on using, you couldn't really do that because you were like well, I can splash red, and I can splash black. Um,
0: well, let, let me explain something to the audience that uh, that something about the math of three-color. So, when you have a three-color faction, there's no such thing as, as no overlap, right? Every other three-color <clears> color <throat> faction is going to overlap with your three-color faction, no matter what. When you do two colors, you can have two colors that don't overlap, but with three colors, there's always some overlap, and in fact... There is a bunch of double-color, things that overlap by two-color, especially when you're talking about having ten things. So one of the big challenges, no matter what you do, like we we like having some overlap, because some overlap allows flexibility. You don't want only one drafter to want any one card. You want people to fight over things that makes for a more robust draft thing. But that, when you talk about figuring out the math, the fact that, hey, I'm playing a three-color deck, and I overlap with, what, three... I overlap in two colors with three other decks, and I think you overlap with yep. one color with an additional... Like, the only thing you don't overlap with at all... No, you overlap with everything. In a 3 yeah, color environment, overlap you overlap with, with everything.
1: Yeah. The, there are two monocolor pairs that you cannot use, um, and only... And depending on how willing you are to splash, or whether it's hybrid... Um, I mean, obviously, there's the like two-color pair that you're not using but you can use uh, 60%, like six of the 10 um, uh, other of the two color pairs. Um, so the the challenge, uh, yeah, very quickly gets to be what you were describing of like blending archetypes, like overlapping with adjacent archetypes um, gets really, really intertwined really, really quickly. Um, and when we were like using kind of normal tools for dual lands, Uh, what we were finding is, like,
2: those overlaps became even more enmeshed, uh, which is where we enter cryptic spires.
1: In design, it was called Malleable Wilderness. That was just the name that I came up with while you were talking about it. Um, It's actually something that, like, sometimes something like three or four years ago, we were exploring as just, like, something
2: to uh add like do we want to just add this to every draft forever
1: onwards we very quickly found that we didn't really want to do
0: that yeah yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, um, let's finish this, uh, this is a cool story um aaron made a mini team i mean he wasn't on it but he made a mini team i think eric lauer was on it chris mooney was on it and he I said to them can- oh, you and you were on it. okay and, but- and the the goal was can you improve draft is there anything we can do to improve draft what can you do to improve draft <laughs> And right one of the ideas that team floated was what if all drafts came with what ended up being crypto expires that you I, I think I think everybody got two of them is that was that what you guys ended up
1: that that was kind of the like best solution but it was also a solution that we were like this is the best we came up with but we don't like it um, so we're not gonna <laughs> push on it um, the, the the benefit like the, the problem is kind of trying to solve is this uh, like there is some benefit in kind of mana fixing in limited, just being a little bit stronger. Um, Like, uh, mana bases that are all basic lands are a little bit less reliable, they're significantly less reliable than constructed mana bases. And we were kind of looking to, like, is there a way that we can kind of elegantly and cleanly bridge that gap a little bit? Um, The
0: And to be, uh, just so they understand, you guys came to the conclusion that three-color lands got you in trouble, but that two-color lands did just a much better job of getting people to play three colors.
1: Um, So for, just gonna, yeah, going back to double Masters 2, um, the, so having uh, a larger number of two-color lands makes your mana base more consistent. Um, like a three-color, like, let's say you have three three-color lands or six two-color lands, um, the amount of variance, like the, the randomness game-to-game of the Triland mana base is higher, because you if you don't draw one of those three cards, you're just drawing basics, whereas like you're a lot more likely to draw at least one or two of your two-color lands, <laughs> um, so, like, that helped. Um, the other, but the, the real heart of the problem was the fact that when you have to pick um, like a jungle shrine, like a three-color land that already has three colors defined, or like a um, uh, what's it? I'm blanking on the, uh, no, like Stone Quarry um, I think is the name of the red-white. Anyway, if you need to like pick a land where it has those predefined colors, um, a lot of times you wind up taking those somewhat speculatively. Um, like, you're not sure if you want to play red, but you take the white-red
2: Dual land to make it possible later, and what that was doing is it was kind
1: of pushing you into playing more colors than just the cards you were trying to draft would naturally and organically make you want to do. Um, so the like the reason we went back to Cryptic Spires, um, like we liked how it played in kind of draft at large. The problem is just the amount of complexity that adds to learning how to draft in general, which is already a somewhat daunting task for a new player, um, was really high. Like having to know what this land is, how it works. It's a slightly, bit kind of weird object, um, and uh, like parsing that was too much for main sets. But again, master sets can go where main sets can't sometimes, um, and this is one of them. Um, so the thing we were trying to solve and the things that Crypt Expires kind of uniquely solved um, is that when you're taking Cryptic Expires, you, you're you getting the perfect land for your deck, which means that if you want to play more colors, you you are necessarily giving something up because you could have made them into more fixing for your three main colors. Like, if you have five Cryptic Spires and you want to splash a fourth color, you need to, like, you need to either play basics or kind of divert some of your fixing into being that fourth color. So it kind of destabilizes your three color base. Whereas when you
2: just have, when you've just been kind of like accruing as many two color lands of whatever colors you can find throughout the draft, they're kind of tangential to what you're doing. Uh, the the incentives kind of,
1: sometimes that fourth color is closer to three, um, which is something that we were finding is a problem given the sheer density of gold cards and um, other options.
0: Yeah, This this is a cool concept. The idea that if I pick a land that, let's say I'm playing um, white, blue, black. If I take a a dual land that has red in it, I now psychologically say, oh, maybe I want to think about red. I have a land that can produce red. But a Crypt inspired because you don't make that decision until kind of later... It doesn't like even though the potential exists, you don't think that way, right? That that's an interesting thing. And in that cryptic spires yeah. like, well, I'm just going to make it what I need to make it to make my deck work, and you think about it later. But it doesn't open your mind up to thinking about other colors unless you're a pretty advanced drafter.
1: Mm-hmm. And even if you are a pretty advanced drafter, it, it's like then you're kind of trading the like the cost benefit analysis of like, okay, well, if I want to play that fourth color, I'm going to need more cryptic spires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if I want only want to play three colors, I might need like. Four, five, six, maybe seven. If I'm particularly greedy with, um, like you know, uh, cards with lots of mana pips on them. Um, but if I really want to play that like off-color, three-color gold card, I- I'm probably going to need to pick up like an additional two or three cryptic spires, and more of my lands are coming into play tapped. So like, th- there's kind of yeah that like smooth transition of like you're not really thinking about it until like even when you do think about it the of still line up to, so like, what we were going for.
0: Okay, so you added encrypt expire. That was a big part. Um, what, what what else did you need to do? To, like So, like, wh- here's one of the challenges I, I, I know. I, I, I didn't work on the stats. So one of the challenges that would concern me is 10 is a lot. Like, just fitting in 10 is a lot. So <laughs> how, how did you solve that? How do you fit it in? That's what I would worry about. Like, how do you even fit it in?
1: Uh, very carefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And with a lot of overlap. So, like, going back to that concept that you raised earlier with um, kind of, uh, we need, pe- like, cards to be
2: relevant to multiple archetypes so that multiple people at the table are interested in them. Um, and
1: you're kind of competing for resources. Um, that needs to happen about twice as often in this, like, 10 three-color trio world as it does in a normal, like, monocolor, two-color world. So the... Um, because it's basically like we need a certain number of cards to support blue white black we also need a certain number of cards to support red white black and so on and so forth around this three color wheel um when you kind of just like multiply that that out and add it up to your point like 10 three color trios uh just each of those trios needs the same number of cards supporting it as a two color pair um but there are just so many more combinations that each common has to go in more of the decks. Um, So, uh, for instance, like when you kind of look through the common file for um, Double Masters 2, um, the the limited archetypes, like kind of synergy themes, um, are very core, um, like central limited themes that have shown up over and over in Magic in a bunch of different ways. Um, they are things with a bunch of different options, and a lot of the reason for that is we needed so many more cards that are like, this card is interesting to the like uh, blue white red um, uh, spells matter deck. It, it also needs to go into the uh, red white green heroic deck. It also needs to go into the green white black counters deck. So like at that point we're kind of looking at. Uh, we need more slots to just have text that is relevant to um, two to four of these different archetypes instead of like, eh, it's fine if this is mostly just interesting to like the white-black player and the white-red player.
0: Um, yeah, th- and here's another thing for the audience to remember is normally that's hard, but you had, an, you had an extra problem thrown at you to make things even more complicated, which is this is a reprint set. You can make no new cards. Like, a lot of times when we're we're stuck, like, oh, we have to overlap. Okay, we'll we'll make the card that overlaps, right? We'll make the thing. But you Mm -hmm. don't have that luxury. And so talk a little bit about, like, having to find the card that existed already. Yep. Yeah, and, like, the the process of creating the archetype grid um, for Double Masters 2
2: was similarly very complex. Um, Like, the... Uh, Again, yeah, like to your point, most
1: of the commons need to be like this has an ETB for blink and it puts counters on things for the counters deck. This is a like aggressively slanted two drop that also has a prowess trigger. Things like, um, like we need those overlaps so much that like the the process of building out that grid is a lot of like, um, we build a grid where like, okay, we know what we want each three color trio to do. We know how each of those two-color trios. And kind of I mean, remember that, like the blue-white multicolor cards and commons especially, kind of need to be relevant to at least two or three of the blue-white X um, trios. So, like there are three, um, uh, you know, blue-white, red-black, or green as your three-color trios involving blue-white. We need to know what those blue-white cards
2: can do. That is interesting or relevant to preferably as many of those three as possible. And then we also need to know what the monocular cards do, and those need to also go in a bunch of different
1: decks. So a lot of times it was like we would build out this grid, and then, yeah, we just need to go and look and see whether the cards exist to make it work. Um, And what we very quickly found is that, like, in a lot of master sets, we can kind of use oddball, quirky draft archetypes that... Really, only barely work. Like they have exactly enough cards to make it work in this master set. But if we were to do it again, we have to use basically all the same cards. It's a pretty like we can get we can get one set out of it, and it's cool. But like if that combination of cards doesn't work, it doesn't work at all. We very quickly found that like those are total non starters in this world. <laughs> so like all of the core synergies of double masters two. Um, we needed a lot of flexibility because we needed a lot of cards that went into multiple of them. Um, and finding those crossover cards just meant that we had to use, like, very kind of core, central-to-magic themes.
0: Now, layered on top of that, so, I mean, when we're talking about limited, it's much more common and uncommon, right? That, that's usually yeah. definitionally. How, how much did you even think about limited and doing the rares and mythic rares?
1: Um, because it's a double master set, quite a lot. Um, like rares and mythics. Uh, if you have ten rares and mythics in your pool, and ten commons and uncommons in your pool, it's likely that you're playing most or all of the rares, and uh, you know some percentage of the commons and uncommons. So when we double the amount of rares in the packs, we're essentially also doubling the amount of rares in people's decks. So, the like the amount of rares, and especially like given it has a larger than number, larger than normal number of rares in the set. Um, right, has I believe, 120 rares. Um, we uh, we need those rares to like integrate fairly well with limited. Um, and then going back to that, like we want people's first experience drafting the set to be really fun we want to make sure that there aren't rares that kind of send them on some quest that the rest of the file doesn't support. Um, Again, like, the that kind of, like, core archetype um, theme helped us there because it meant that, like, the pool of rares was similarly pretty large that we could pull from. Um, But the, uh, like, um, yeah, I mean, definitely meshing the... Uh, like you know, cards that um, see play in Commander or Modern or Pioneer or um, whatever else uh, with that sort of plays well in Limited um, definitely presented some challenges. But honestly, the sheer quantity of rares helped a bunch in that regard um, because when we have 120 rares, we have a lot of space to uh, make sure that like the the suite of rares had to support a lot of the same um, kind of like basic effects for Limited that other, that like Commons and Uncommons would normally do. Um, so like, you know, there are a decent number of just like uh, Restoration Angel. It's just a good card in your Flicker deck. Like it does what that card, what the deck wants to do. It does it pretty well. Um, you, you know, you don't have cards like Chaos Warp or Uh, like Anguished Unmaking or like Crackling Doom. They're just like, they're powerful and they kind of do unusual things for removal spells, but like in Limited, they mostly just play as like this is just a good, solid removal spell.
0: Okay, so Um, we're we're talking a lot about Limited and so I want to bring up that that this is a reprint set. So Mm -hmm. we have all the issues for Limited, but also on top of that, look, you want to reprint cards people want, right? Part of a reprint set is letting people get access to cards that are excited because this is all about reprinting old cards. It's not, there's no new cards. Um, mm-hmm. How did you find balancing kind of the need for exciting cards for constructed purposes versus making the limited environment work?
1: In this case, they actually synergized really well. Um, like, in a, especially with a lot of the um the Legends and multicolor cards, like a lot of multicolor cards in general are just strong cards that see play in a variety of formats, like go in a bunch of commander decks or just like generally appealing, cool cards. Um, and when we're looking for just like cards that we think people really like um, and just kind of going off of, you know, what cards see play and are, you know, appealing and that we, you know, haven't, banned in this format or that format <laughs> um, they're mostly like pretty like fun cards like those are the ones that stick around in a lot of a lot of cases um, so the and like uh you know as commander has been growing as kind of just a percentage of play in magic in general um a lot of the sort of basic core effects like point removal sweepers like strong creatures that see a bunch of play in Commander are rare anyway, um, and so the uh, we were kind of finding that. Uh, I mean, that's also true in Modern and Pioneer and Legacy, etc. But each of those formats has their own quirks and a much more constrained pool of cards. Um, and we were finding that like a lot of those cards just wind up being, yeah. I mean, there's cool, fun cards that do things that we would need in Limited, just at a kind of higher rate or kind of more game-defining impact than we would put at common or uncommon. Um, It definitely causes us to, uh, we have to evaluate especially the removal at lower rarities through that lens. Like, a lot of the rare creatures are very game-defining if left completely unchecked. Um, So the removal at lower rarities is kind of disproportionately, there's a lot more like, Kills almost everything, as opposed to the more like, uh, you know, kills some stuff or kills some stuff or kills everything at a kind of low rate. Um, a lot of the removal at lower rarities um, is just kind of making sure that you have a way to answer those like powerful cards that will uh, run away with the game unchecked. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like with regards to kind of choosing which cards we go in. Um, a lot of sort of a uh, balancing act between different formats. Like, we're looking for um, kind of uh, the, you know, headlining cards of, um, you know, Commander,
2: Modern, etc. Um, but we're also looking to kind of reintroduce people to cool old
1: cards that uh, are strong, but they may have just kind of fallen out of favor or um, may have forgot about And one of the things that we really like doing in um, Master Sets is kind of recontextualizing those, like showing them off in a new light. Um, And a lot of those cards, especially like uh, cards from Commander pre-constructed decks, are cards that people have never played in London and just do really fun things um, in the
0: kind of bounds of that format into it's kind of different from how they play in Commander and how they're used to being seen. So anyway, I, I can see my desk here, so I'm almost to work. Uh so I what are I just want to get some final thoughts from you. Like sort of looking back, seeing all of what you know Double Masters twenty twenty two became sort of what what are your final thoughts for how it all came together?
1: Uh ultimately I'm really happy with how it came together. Like the uh, I definitely saw some confusion about just kind of how Cryptic expires worked, and kind of like different theories of how it was going to play out. Um, but from what I've seen and what I've heard, that kind of that kind of goal that we aimed for of mostly you just kind of like take cards you like, settle into a like kind of three color path, um, and then the kind of the synergies kind of uh, if you're looking for them do come together for you, and then kind of crypt expires kind of silently. Um, you know, makes your mana work, um, and uh, you're
2: able to cast your cards. Um, I, I haven't, like, one of the things that I was kind of, you know, a little nervous about
1: is sort of, like, is this format just going to be too hard to draft? Um, and from what I've seen, like, you know, it's the usual master set level difficult to draft. Like, the synergies are fairly intensive. A lot of the cards are, like, pretty quirky. Um, but the... I, like I think that the kind of the mission we set out to do of like make this mostly three color draft format, where people can occasionally play two colors or four colors or whatever if they want to, um, uh, but kind of just being able to do the thing that set is trying to tell you to do and have it just kind of work out for you, um, I think uh, has gone really well and I've been really happy seeing how it, people are liking it. Okay, so my
0: final question before we we leave for today. What is the most number of cryptic spires you've ever
1: drafted? Um I was never quite the all-in cryptic spires, take every cryptic spires I see person. Well what is the most um, anyone drafted, I, not just you.
0: What's the most you've seen drafted? Um I've seen
1: about twelve. But I don't know. I think that they did play all twelve. <laughs> but after the drafts told me they wouldn't have done it again.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> well, so thank,
0: thank you, Brian. Thanks for joining with us. Uh, it's a lot of fun hearing yeah. about Double Masters 2022. Um, so thank you so much for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: And everybody else, I am at my desk. It means We all know what that means. It means to the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you guys for joining me. Brian, thanks for being here. Uh, and I'll see all of you next time. Bye-bye.